get your craft to a certain level and do it well. You have to develop that. You can't wait on people to justify that for you. You got to develop that. You got to know I've got it. You are now listening to We Are Crayons, the podcast. Conversations with Trinidad and Tobago's creative thinkers and makers. We'll delve into their processes, their struggles, and what drives them to execute continually as creative individuals. I'm your host, Dan McNichol. Do enjoy. This is We Are Crayons, the podcast, and today we have with us Cornelius Hector. Cornelius, welcome to the show and thank you for taking the time to sit and chat with us. Yes, and it's a pleasure to be a part of this colorful edition, this colorful creative space where, um, you know, we as creatives are able to express ourselves in, in a way we want to. Cornelius, just to get started, can you tell us who you are and what do you do? I am a fashion designer, television producer, actor, fashion illustrator, and anything that's in, that involves creativity, I always like to be a part of. But for right now, I am the creative director at Dow Creations, which is a menswear brand that focuses on creating urban couture wear with a fusion of Caribbean aesthetic. Awesome. So we have a lot to talk about. Indeed. So let's get started by who was Cornelius as a child. You're taking me back. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> My childhood was mixed with a lot of lack, but also a lot of freedom in some cases and mm. in some areas. I grew up in a single parent home mm-hmm. and what we would be considered the ghetto area and things like that. But I never really thought it was ghetto. The right. only time I um, realized that I was maybe poor or, you know, not having or lacking was when you interact in secondary school and you realize that, hey, you know, hmm, and people treat you and the world and society treats you based on these specific things. I have a brother and three sisters but they are much older than I am and they would have already left the home and and they had their families so I was still basically like an only child so it was just myself and my mom and um, as a child because you, you really don't got anybody else to play with you've got to invent and you've got to use your imagination to mm. have a good time right so I would draw I would color color I always about coloring in this in the line mm. in the space mm. I loved watching cartoons because as well as as well it was very colorful and lots of things going on. So I loved animation. Because my mom would not have been able to afford the toys that I would like, you know, like the He-Man and the Ninja Turtle and all the things that I saw on TV, I was like, okay, when I got fed up with the paper and the crayons and the and the paint. What do I do? So I used to get my mom's clothespins to kind of teeth it. <laughs> there was a time I can remember in the 90s that I wanted this transformer so badly. And I'm like, I know I'm not going to get it. So I used my mom's um, clothespins and made a transformer. I mean, I found every possible way how to use these clothespins to make different versions and sizes. And I mean, looking back, it, it was it was as if I got that transformer and I had playtime with that. And, I, and then I built stories. So that that type of um, thing developed in terms of creating stories and putting these characters in it. And little do you know, all that you're doing as in your childhood really kind of influenced 
what you are as a as an adult. So my childhood was a mix of, of both. So taking that creativity as a child, were you able to foster it on your own or your mom being a single parent? Was she there supporting that type of behavior? Do you think that helped influence the continuation of your creative expression? I mean, it would sound maybe bad if she, I mean, if she's listening right now, <laughs> but I'm an honest person and I like expressing myself in an honest manner. I won't say that my mom um, supported me per se because mm. she just saw it as I'm mashing up her, her close bins, her close bins right. and I should be doing other things and learning my um, timetables and not that I didn't do those things, but she... She, of course, because of her background, she would see those things as a, maybe a waste of time. Time, right. Right? And it, it's not really, you know, you have to get a big walk, so you have to get in your books. So that was um, very difficult. We had tension, you know, you get your licks for mashing up the clothespins. I mean, I run outside to play pitch, you know. But I won't think, um, I don't think that she, she did that. However, um, I would say she was responsible with maybe placing me or connecting me with specific people because I think she just did not have that capacity. So she would, she would put me in a little um, evening. I mean, it was free because <laughs> right? she couldn't pay for anything in particular. So she would send me to this guy who, who, learned, who knew how to draw. And I would have picked up these little things here and there. No official classes, but just... Or you like to draw, I'll go by here and, you know, and that is how I kind of developed the interest for, for that. And did you take that through secondary school? How did that work out? I did take it into secondary schools because I decided to do art right. in secondary school. I can't say there either I was able to express myself because when you're, you're art and you're doing all these creatives, the climate, um, the community that is school kind of already puts you as a weirdo, mm -hmm. kind of puts you already, it puts you away as, you know, you're not academic. Mm -hmm. So, you know, most likely that's a trade and, you know, we're going to be poor and, you know, all these different things. So I, or I, but I chose it because because I felt, but I'm good at it. Why am I going to choose physics if I have no inclination for it? My mom migrated at that point in time to, to seek betterment in the US. But I was with my sister. She had a lot of just um, scrap, like copy books and stuff like that. And I, I started to make my own comics because I was like, okay, I have all these thoughts in my mind. What am I going to do with them? And I just felt, you know, so I created characters and I'm just doing it and not really realizing that. But wait, it's a whole story that I'm build I was building here. I mean, the grammar wasn't all that. The drawing wasn't all that. But it, it was a way for me to express myself during that time. And secondary school was hard for me because I'm not following the, the status quo. I'm not running down a set of girls, you know. I'm not going and smoke. I just want to go home because I just felt when home and was my creative space. And then I was able to just express myself how I want. Just being able to have that silent space and to think what I want to think. There's nobody looking at me. There's nobody judging me. And I also picked up puppeteering at that time as well. I was involved in a, a youth group in my um, community church. And I remembered one day this guy came. He was well known for puppeteering in the gospel and church stuff. He came with his team and he did this whole show. And I was like, I need to, I need to be him. Mm. I need to learn that. The Sunday school teacher had some discarded puppet. I don't know if he <laughs> left it behind. I mean, it was, listen, it was <laughs> not good looking. The, I mean, but it was, it was a brown skin kind of, it was female. Right. So that was another aspect, which I'll get into 
want to. Right. And she said, well, go ahead and take it. You're not doing nothing here. Take it. So I took it. I would watch Sesame Street. I would watch the Muppets. And, I, and then I started to take little songs and stuff like that and see if I can mimic it in time. And when I became a young adult, I was already doing charity shows in the Mount Hope Hospital and at birthday parties. And I was getting very good at it. Had developed a little um, troop of puppeteers. Um, I started buying more other puppets and things like that. And just because I, it wasn't it wasn't for money. It was right. just about I felt I had a, another talent that mm-hmm. I developed. And I felt, let me do something good with it. Based on what we've discussed thus far, to me, your creative ability was more innate. Mm-hmm. So how did you develop it? Okay, well, in terms of the art itself, um, in terms of drawing and sketching, I, I attended um, a few sessions or maybe a term or however you want to put it at the Art Academy. Um, because I really wanted to just really get good at it. You know, you have something and then you're watching other people who's artists and they're like, my um, work in so good. So you need to, to learn the medium. So then you, because when you get more involved, you realize that there are things missing. So that was one way that I got formally involved in terms of drawing and improving that. My imagination was always there. I owe my television um, experience to Gal TV because Gal TV was or is in my book, one of those local broadcasters that allowed young people to express themselves. And it was an extreme creative space. Of course, it's corporate still. You have to come in for eight, you have to leave at whatever. But uh, Mr. Errol Fabian and, and, and the other people who were in charge were also contributors in my um, early um, 20s. Reagan Devines, who is my best friend now, absolutely also responsible for my creative development and my development, my personal development. It was never really like a formal training besides the Art Academy, but those to me are training grounds. Those are where... Those are the places where you you develop, whether you you know you want to or not. Especially at at Gaia, you know, you ain't coming and doing one thing. You come in and you're sweeping, you're mopping, you're you're, you're doing mic, you're doing you're doing camera, you're doing everything. And when you if you're if you're smart, at the end of the day, you realize okay that these are skills that you have developed, and now you can add that to your resume or you know whatever, because <laughs> you know. Your resume, your your professional brief, whatever. Um, But it's skills at the end of the day. And I I grasped at it because I was like, okay, you know, I don't really see myself having a a bank job. I don't see myself there. What am I going to do? And a lot of creatives, especially when we're that young, we're always just, before we even even get to spread ourselves a little bit or to put a little color here and there, are you going to be poor? We're doing that for that wasting time. Go and get go and get to work in Petra Train, which where we see where that is now. Uh, it's showing a little shade. But, um, get a get a job in this and get a job in the get a government work. And I'm like, no, 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 no. But it made me at that time feel really bad because there was a reality to it. Because at the same time. You almost thought that, okay, maybe they're right because, mm-hmm. you know, you're waiting on the next opportunity or even if you're in a creative space and it's always it's an intern and they're getting a little 1500 let's be real people, you know, 800 here and then it's a, and it kind of develops into a hustle life and you develop this hustle lifestyle. And I was like, hmm, I want to do this. And the opportunities are very limited. I wouldn't outrightly say that. It's limited. And it's just because we are an island. So that's why a lot of us would migrate. It's not just we, oh, uh, we don't like Trinidad no more. We have to go where we are accepted 
and there are opportunities and spaces for us. So at that time too, I wanted I said, well, best I pack up myself and you know, and then my mother was in the States and she was, I was like, I was like, mm, should I go um, in the States and whatever, whatever. It just never worked out. That season of my life, I was like, what is going on? Because my friends are advancing. They're, they're coming supervisor. And they, I mean, they have cars. I had to feel away because mm-hmm. I, I take in bus with Maxi. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a shame, people, but I mean, yeah, you yeah. take in bus with Maxi. You know, you always sweat him when they see you because, you know, you're always <laughs> up and down with a bag. Of course, creatives, you know what I'm talking about. You always have a bag, you're toting something, you're carrying something somewhere. And I was like, hmm. And all those things affected me. And then it affected, it eventually affected my um, self-esteem and my self-worth because I just felt maybe this is not really what I meant to do. And do I really want to be suffering? Mm. Let's talk about that then. How then did you overcome that lack of self-worth? That has been, um, that have been years of, of, of conquering and step by step. I'm not going to fake with nobody and say in two years, one year, you're going to get it. You're going to get over it. It works. You know, it comes in your time. And no, no, no. There, that is something you have to actively and objectively attack. And, 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 and why I use the word attack? Because you, it has to be something like life and death. Because if you don't get over it, 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 it pollutes your mind. It pollutes your energy. And then it pollutes your personality and your character. And, and then you're just, you know, you're just doing, you're just existing. One of the things uh, that helped me during that time was having the right people around me. It is absolutely important to have the right friends. It's not about having the, the yes people, but it's having people that really see what you don't see. Because if it wasn't like for Reagan seeing what he saw, then I may not have been at this place. And I didn't arrive, you know, but I would not have been at this place. I started to shell off a lot of unnecessary connections. That was one of the first things that I did. Is this relationship making sense? Is this kind of friendship making sense at this point? Is it adding to me? When I'm around this person, is this person encouraging me? Is this person at least saying, boy, you can make this, you can make that, but you know, why do why do charge them this or, or trying to work with what I have? So I tried, I started to just let go the negative people or the people that weren't really contributing to me. Secondly, I started to look at myself a little more because you have to, you have to find yourself. So I started to look at the things that were positive about me. I started to believe in who I am and be like, okay, well, I'm truly this. I got this skill. You know, I'm, I'm really a nice person, you know, and, and then when I discovered some of the traits, I tried to maximize it and I took risks. I remember Reagan and Guile had a television show. We're looking, we're casting people for this parody thing. And I sat down, but that time I really was Kyle. I used to watch Kyle, uh, <laughs> you know. And I was like, should I go? Should I go with my little puppets and mm-hmm. do something? And then this is a mantra that now that I still utilize. What's the worst that can happen? They go, they laugh at you. Are they paying your bills? Are they feeding you? I mean, no. So go, take the rest, see what happens. I got in that St. James taxi and I go in with a little bag, a little old bag and had the puppets in it. Very terrible, let me tell you. I, <laughs> I, it was the same time I'm doing all of these charity stuff and, and I developed this character who is a female character and everybody knows it's Whitney, Whitney Williams. That was a big craze back mm. then. I went to this audition. I know people were saying me like, is he serious? 
I mean, this is for human being flesh, you know, like, come on. And Whitney exploded in a few years. I got my own show, you know, because I took one step. So at times you've got to put away all those inhibitions and God, and then people go laugh at me. I did Digital Rising Stars at a point in time with the same puppet. I didn't win. People started to see a new talent. It was fresh. It was like, this is before Santana and all these kind of things. It was like, wow, what is this? And I was doing it well. And that's another thing. Get your craft to a certain level and do it well, don't give no wishy-wash thing. And I was very serious about my puppet thing. I mean, I was, I mean, I was giving the side eye and thing because I knew I was the, the thing. And you have to develop that. You can't wait on people to justify that for you. You got to develop that. You got to know I've got it. It's not being overly pompous and, you know, I better than you. And no, 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 you got, yes, I can do this. And I encouraged myself and I get to that point and, and things started to work out for me. And then I started to network. And that's important as well. Networking, as you let go of the people that are not uh, negative, it's not about just, well, now I'm free, you know, I have two people in my life. No, <laughs> it's about, okay, I've, I've gotten three away. Who am I going to fill those spaces with? It's not necessarily looking for buddies. It's just about people who can help. Because we can't do this on our own. I ain't reach here just so. And Reagan again, one of those persons that were just behind me and just like, boy, you don't know what you have. And, thing. and I was like, and I had moments where I put him in his space and I was low too. Because again, it's a work. Because there were times I was just like, boy, them people ain't going to take me on. And, you know, and I'm here now where I'm in a space. It's not perfect, and my my goals are beyond this country, and not to be little Trinidad and Tobago, but because again, Trinidad can do so much for us. I want to be a world-renowned designer, a creative director for other fashion brands, for other magazines. I can be that. We are in an age where you can be. It's no longer 1960 something, and you know you can be, and you got to believe that. I have no clue how I'm going to get to A to B to get there, but I believe what I'm putting myself in now would carry me there. You understand? I'm dealing with customers daily, and I'm treating them like they walked in Vogue. Mm -hmm. I'm not waiting until I I am Vogue to be that. I have to be it now. Mm -hmm. I do collections right now for Dow as if I'm doing it. I'm telling you, for me, C's or whatever. I mean, because this will develop the the discipline, develop my craft as well, mm -hmm. and develop the passion to a greater height that when I get there, it will feel natural. And that's that's you know that's a big thing for me. And my plan is as I develop that I can be that person as Reagan and all these other people were to me because it's also about passing on and helping and, and pulling each other. It's not about, well, I want him because he might get more money than me. No, no, no. I never I never exist on money. Mm. You know, I, I go in the grocery just like everybody. I, I want to go. I want to go fat. I want to go things. I want to be in the cast. You know, I want to I want to do things. I want my costume. But at the end of the day, I don't, my motivation and drive is not the money necessarily. I need it, but it does not drive me. And I just want to get that clear. It does not propel me when I get up in the morning. I don't, I don't be seeing dollar signs. So what does propel you then? What propels in terms of the field that I'm in right now is producing good work. That when people interact with the work, whether they buy it, whether they see it online, they see it on social media, they, they are interested in what we do, seeing their reactions. 
is is I don't know how to really explain it, but it gives a sense of satisfaction when people can appreciate and love and and be joyous over what you do. I think all creatives can connect on that level. That yes, that's that's one of the things that we enjoy when somebody interacts with our product or what we do. I don't want my name attached to Rich Raff. You know, I I don't want it just by he got it all. You know, but it's all right, and you know. That's why I said I try to balance things because, again, I'm creative. I do excellent at these things. But then sometimes your business is in a mess mm-hmm. and people calling you and they can't get on to you. You're doing things late, late, late. People can't get the thing on time and thing. And that's where you've got to also develop that in you. Some people have the big money and then they could hire this and that. But I don't got that right now. And I believe it's a benefit to me. So even when I hire these people in the future, I know what it's about. I know how what I know what I want, you know? So I've developed that side of me that is also administrative mm-hmm. and being on the call. And I mean it's a so we can progress, trust me. Mm-hmm. Um developing those areas as well in business management and in your human resource and in your marketing. Your product needs all of these things. So, like good and I I have a good talent. You sit there with your talent and see if you don't add these things, if it will get where it needs to get. If you're truly involved in what you're doing and you want the best thing possible, then you need to add the things. So that is what got me to fashion design. I saw other people going and just opening um, fashion things and they have a brand. I was like, okay, you have a brand. Okay, okay. What does that mean? (laughs) So I was like, I think I need to be formally trained. Mm. I believe I have the talent. I always had it. But I believe I need to know how I'm going to know just as long watching um, YouTube. I mean, granted, there's a whole lot of things there. But it wasn't sufficient enough for me. And the program at UTT was kind of timely with when it when it was launched and stuff like that. But at that time, I was going I was going down the road of going corporate because I said, you know what? Let me go and do computer in um, science, mm-hmm. you know, and get a big job. And the universe just stopped me somehow. I just did a few things of it and I just was like, that's not working for me. I mean, my family was like, what are you doing? But it worked out at the same time. And then I got involved in UTT, um, the Caribbean Fashion Academy of Design and... Um, um, I got in there and everybody feel at the first semester, everybody's walking up proudly in the halls. And I'm, what are you saying? I'm saying fashion. And I'm just, you know, <laughs> all these, you know. And I'm like, I am just so regular. I'm just like, okay, you know. And the first semester whooped me. I got some C's. Those lecturers wasn't playing with me. They were like, no, 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 no. And I remember one lecturer, Miss Hazel Stansclaus, very tiny woman, but she's great at what she does. She came and very politely, very caring and nurturing. She came, Cornelius, um, I see your grades, you know, and if you don't really back up here, you know you're going to fail. And that word fail just sunk into my soul and spirit. And I was like, ah, ah. Mm-mm. I didn't come here for that. I'm not going to waste the government money. I don't want Patrick Manning coming to see me. <laughs> um, no, 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 no. I got to make this work. Mm-hmm. And that semester, it really, um, I really caught myself because I had no sewing experience. Mm. Trust me, I had none. All these patterns were like new things for me. And because you're thinking, you know, fashion, but this is the basis. This is the grounds of when there's a nice design, you got to know where it starts from. And she... She drills me. I can say I'm one of the success stories of the program. Right. I'm now working at Dow Creations and I'm the creative director and I don't sew every day. However, I know what is expected. I know how to speak to the people that work with us and, and the drafting and the pattern making and, the, you know, the, down to the fabrics. 
Um, all of these things that I have learned formally at the University of Toronto Tobago, it, it has helped me to, to be better at what I do here. I mean, I give them kudos as well that they have contributed in that way. So I went for that formal training and, and now um, Dow Creations is one of the top menswear brands locally. So we've been awarded the Caribbean Award for Fashion Designers on Caribbean and we've been chosen as one of them. And I'm really glad of going a little cold weather and stick a little <laughs> take a little um you know award in my hand right, you know? right. but um i mean it's not about the award but it's, it's again it's a satisfaction that people are recognizing what you do and again it's about being the best and be doing it in a good way and you know so you touched a little bit about those low periods and whatnot so question would be then does your creative expression come easily to you i can't say it comes easily i think it's like any other task it's like an, what an engineer would do. It doesn't come easy. Again, society thinks that creatives are dumb people. No, we're not dumb. We also process. We also analyze. We also go through that. And those are the steps for me that I take in order to create. Because one, I need to be in a specific space. Not that I'm very, very antsy about that. Like I have to go and take a trip. I need to, I need to clear my mind, one. Because life, I mean, life has so many things going on that it sometimes clouds you. Um, so I clear, I clear that. And I start most times just watching various things. I love documentaries. I'm always on documentaries. And even if I'm out socially, I am most times taking in the space, feeling a vibe and watching how people move and, 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 and talk and that social expression. And so I pay attention to that. And then, you know, you get something from something, an experience. Something clicks, something in your mind clicks. Ah, you know, this can be a collection. Ah, you know, we really need to highlight this in a television series mm -hmm. or, or a feature or things. Because, I mean, life is full of things to pull from. What would you say has been your greatest learning experience? Hmm. My greatest learning experience has been to not doubt myself and to not doubt what God has given to me and how special I am. It sounds narcissistic, but it's when you know mm -hmm. that appreciation that, okay, you're born into this world and you're not just born to just go to school, get a work, you know, get married, dead. That status quo and that narrative is just very boring for me. We all have something that we're meant to do, I believe. It's not on this basis of becoming a millionaire or a billionaire, because most people, that's their aspirations. But it's about, I believe, when you find yourself or you have evolved um, as a human, and not that you're, you're growing six and seven years or whatever, but you evolve in terms of your thinking and your, your mental capacity that we're born to, to serve. Mm -hmm. We're born to serve and not just in this kind of servant kind of thing. We're born to serve in different ways. You know, I'm serving my creativity to this planet. I'm putting my stamp on this earth. Right. That is what God gave me. And when you find that, then you're able to do that. And it doesn't become about the money and the people and the fame. And the, it becomes about your purpose and what you're meant to do. And I believe all of us are meant to serve just in different ways. You know, we don't like that sometimes. We don't like to say that because it sounds belittling or whatever. But we serve and already doctors serve. You know, you serve what you're doing here is you're, you're serving. We're serving. Your talent is... Um, a chef or whatever you're serving all these all the things when you really stop and you look you're serving yes you're getting money from it you're able to live life a certain way but you're serving 
And then there are the others who go even further that they're selfless. They don't even get anything out of it and they give. And I think that's when you really obtain that type of thinking. And I would consider like godly thinking. What would you want to be most remembered for? I want to be most remembered for my work because I want my work to be able to live on and to teach, to be referenced because I think that's when you're a legend. <laughs> <laughs> that's when you're legendary, when eons, your people are still digging up in your work. And remember when he did this and he catapulted this and he was the beginning of that. And, you know, I want my work to say it because I'm, I, I, I mean, I can talk and stuff like that, but... I'm really about the expression of the work because we all will pass away, but I don't want to be just, well, you're good at all, you're the nice person. And it was no, this man was this. He did this. We can reference his books. We can reference his, his work, his ideology, his collections. We can look back at that and be like, yeah. And so that it inspires. And once it does that, you can really rest in peace. <laughs> <laughs> You can really rest in peace because, again, you you fulfilled, to me, Mm -hmm. fulfilling your purpose and what you're placed here to do. Cornelius, it has been definitely a pleasure. It's been a fascinating conversation. Um, I think what I would highlight as takeaways for me is, one, believe in yourself, put in the time Mm -hmm. and do the work, as well as surround yourself with people that could push you forward. Yes, that's, that's my mantra giving you the opportunity tell the people where they can find you where they can find your work okay so you can find me on instagram at trini um trini thread thread right because you know we have said proper right trini thread um on instagram on facebook you can find my work and and all the other things that we do uh marlon and i at um, dow creations d-a-w-w distinguished attitude while wearing because you know you got to be distinguished so <laughs> um, you can find us on, on those mediums, Facebook and Instagram and YouTube very soon. Uh-huh. What about, so do you all do retail or is just like yes, call to order? Yes, we do retail. Well, we're, most, well, we're mostly custom. However, uh-huh. we have a retail line as well. So, and right now we're in the works of a new collection. It's going to be called Gangali. Um, again, it's in, it will be inspired by partially Jamaican culture of the 1970s and a mixture of Caribbean culture and that attitude of that iry kind of man. So it's, it's going to be ready to wear so you can get your pieces as well. Follow, follow us on the medium so you're going to see everything that you need to get. Um, so yeah, and that's what you got to look forward to. My name is Cornelius Hector and in a big box of crayons, I am Dingwale Blue. Please share this episode with someone who would find it valuable. And if you haven't yet, subscribe to the show now on Apple Podcasts to get new episodes as they become available. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. It will help us reach other listeners just like you. Find additional content on abigboxofcrayons.com. Follow us on Instagram at abigboxofcrayons. The We Are Crayons podcast is a production of A Big Box of Crayons. All rights reserved. Until next time, friends, remember... We are all the same in the fact that we'll never be the same. Stay colorful.